0: It's good to be with you. I, uh, you know, I had, I did, it's an interesting thing, if you've experienced this, when God, it seems like God asks you to do something, uh, and you say, really, right now? Because that's not the way I'm feeling. I don't really have, I'm not experiencing this so much in my life, and then he asks you to do something. That's what it's like for me today to preach, because I get to preach on joy, uh, and I don't know what brings you joy, uh, but this last week, you know, was a tough week for me. I had what experts called the uh, man cold. <laughs> and the man cold is, uh, it, it refers to the idea that men handle colds and flus uh, differently than women. Um, and do you, I, I mean, I believe it's real. I don't know if you believe it's real. Like all the women are like, no, that's not real. But the guys are like, it's science, um, it's it's a real deal, uh, and there actually are some studies out there that suggest that there, um, it is science. Uh, there's nothing yet, totally, bad. but but this man cold in mine. When I have this thing, it just it knocks me out. Uh, not so much from uh, doing things, because I keep operating. But it keeps me from accomplishing a lot of things that I wanted to do. Um, I don't. I'm not as happy about the things that I want to do, and it actually something like that, a simple little thing, robs me of joy uh, in my life because it just. I'm, I'm thinking I cannot do what I want to do. It's not. A, my life is not as efficient as I want it to be. And now, granted, there's other factors in my life right now that are uh, causing me. They're very challenging things. Uh, and uh, they're very challenging to, uh, s- and they want to sap a lot of joy from me. Um, and, th- and they're not easy things. Um, I think when, when the challenging times of life come and we're struggling, when we feel like things are not going the way that we want them to, um, when we're completely overwhelmed uh, with work uh, and kids and kids, and work, uh, when we're overwhelmed with those kind of things, it's hard to find joy. And some of you may be experiencing that struggle right now. What is it? You're having a very difficult time just kind of reaching down to try to find some nugget uh, to hold on to. Uh, And you say, I I don't know if I can be joyful in this situation. Um, And it's very painful because you can't pull yourself out of it. Uh, A dear friend of mine right now is going through a great depression. And she, no matter what happens, she cannot pull herself out of it. And the idea of saying, well, just be more joyful, find something to have joy, actually brings less and less hope for her. And I think we get at different points in our lives where we say, well, uh, where is my joy? Okay, Where is my joy? I'm not talking about the feeling of happiness. Okay. Not t- t- talking about uh, the joy you get uh, when you sit down with an amazing craft beer, you know, or, or the joy that you get when you've got this incredible latte and uh, chocolate cookie beside you. I'm not t- that's happiness, right? That's that's I'm happy. This this moment is making me happy. But joy is what is is um, a deep seated, a deep rooted experience. That no matter what is going on, no matter what happens, there is still light at the end of the tunnel. That there's still something that's keeping me from packing it all in. Okay? And that says, there's something in my soul that says, I'm okay. I'm good. Okay? Now, how can we capture that kind of joy in our lives? Or how can maybe uh, we recapture that joy? in our lives. Well, i want to look at, today's passage is John 15. We're going to look at verses 19, or 9 through 17. So John 15, 9 through 17. And I ask that you please stand with me as I read from the text this morning. So John 15, 9 through 17. This is God's word. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. This is God's word. Please be seated. I'm going to look at three different things this morning uh, that come out of our text uh, about joy in our lives. Um, And the first is finding joy. The second is remaining in joy. Uh, And then the third is growing in joy. Okay? Uh, So, first finding joy, remaining in joy, or growing in joy, or becoming more joyful, becoming joyful. You know, in in this passage, this is Jesus' extended time with his disciples. It's often referred to as the Farewell Discourse. Uh, so this is the last time that he's with his disciples before he's arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, so he, he's basically saying, okay, guys, listen up. This is, you know, this is the good stuff. This is the last stuff. Uh, and, and he's bringing this to his disciples. And he uses this image of the vine or the vineyard. Now, the disciples, and really the the cultural context, uh, if you were Jewish or lived in Jerusalem, where this is happening, where Jesus is speaking, you would have known what he was referring to. Because the image of the vine is very closely associated uh, with vineyard and and commonly used throughout the Mediterranean world. Uh, There's frequent use of it in the Old Testament, uh, and in Judaism to symbolize Israel. This is what the vine and the vineyard uh, meant, was Israel. The historian Josephus says that on the temple in Jerusalem, that there was a golden vine with grape clusters hanging from it, a marvel of size and artistry. And the vine was used to represent Jerusalem on coins. Uh, that were made during the first Jewish revolt in AD 66 through 70. And so the vine was a very clearly a symbol of Israel. And Jesus says to his disciples, I am the vine. He's saying, I am the true Israel. And if you connect with the true Israel, if you connect to the vine, he says in verse 11, which is a key verse, he says, then my joy will be in you. Now notice what Jesus says. He says, my joy is going to be in you. He doesn't say to the disciples, muster up more joy. You know, try to dig up within yourselves more joy because that's just what you need to do is just rejoice and, 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 and be strong. But he's saying, no, this joy is actually foreign to you. It's, it's foreign to you. It comes from somewhere else. This is my joy that can be in you. What joy did Jesus have? What was his joy? Well, see in verse 9 that Jesus' joy was found in the Father's love for him. See that God the Father loves and takes joy in his son Jesus. At Jesus' baptism, uh, the voice of the Father uh, audibly is heard. And he says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. See, Jesus, Jesus' joy came from having the Father's love and the Father's pleasure. And he's saying, I will put this joy in you. In you, that my joy can be your joy. And look at what kind of joy this is. What kind of joy is, it, is Jesus promising in verse 11? Complete joy. That you may be complete. Your joy may be complete. Now this is a Greek word that's most often used. Um, or I should say almost every time this word and this verb is used. It's about fulfillment. about finding completion. Uh, it's the idea... Almost the idea of taking your final exams and the joy you have when it's all done. Actually, the joy you have when you get your grades back, if they're good. But uh, it's the idea of something that you're pursuing and finally comes to completion. Right, Completion and fulfillment. Jesus is saying, this is what you can have. You don't have to look any further. I can give you this joy. Your joy will be complete. It will be accomplished. It will be fulfilled if you have me. So there's, there's no need to search elsewhere. I am the completion of it. Okay? I am the one. With me, there's deep soul satisfaction. There's deep contentment. With me, there's this sense of no matter what is happening, that there is light when it seems like everything else is dark. Now, friends, I don't know if you want this kind of joy. That may be a silly question to ask, but you may not want that kind of joy right now. Uh, i got to tell you, I need this joy right now. I need this joy. Um, and um, in order to get this, we've got to see something pretty important. That in order to find joy, we have to find love. You see, there's a direct connection with love. Uh, I've got three children at home, and it doesn't matter how hard of a day it's been for me or what really I'm going through. When I come home and my children yell, Daddy! Uh, And they run up to me to give, give me a hug. I mean, that just melts my heart no matter what has been going on. It gives me great joy. My youngest, who's almost three, uh, currently yells, Daddy, you're home. You know, kind kind of like he's almost surprised. I'm like, I spent time here. Like, don't be so surprised that I'm home. But, Daddy, I'm home. And it gives me this this deep sense of no matter what's going on, right now, this is good. Right? like Their love for me and my love for them increases my joy. And there's this connection between joy, love and joy. In verse, Jesus says it in verse 9, in verse 10, in 11, 13, and 17. He connects joy and love. He says, if you found love, true love, then you have true joy. Now, the problem is, is that we have two thieves that come in and try to rob us of joy um, and I mean there are more but they're very common themes I find uh, in most of our lives in Southern California uh, and the first the first thief uh, is finding, trying to find our joy in what we love like the thief of things the thief of things in, in the things in, in what we love and you know I think that and, you know, Orange County is a very affluent Place uh, where I am in San Diego, it's fairly close to La Jolla, so it's also you know, those people who have money. Now, you still have money, but you're trying to survive and you feel like you're barely surviving. Um, but the things that we have, if you've lived anywhere else that is different than here, you understand this a little bit more. If you don't, you're still in your Southern SoCal bubble and you need to get out <laughs> and explore the rest of the world. Um, but the, the attachment that we have, it seems to be exacerbated here in SoCal uh, to things that we have. Uh, I rem- remember when I first moved down here 21 years ago, I would be driving by these little houses that looked like they needed a lot of help. Um, and I don't know how many times I would see a BMW in the driveway uh, or a Mercedes. I mean, San Diego, they all love their BMWs for some reason. It's a car that's in the shop the most often, but they love their BMWs. And you see these dilapidated houses, but these cars. You know, in Southern California, love their vehicles, love their cars. Um, and um, and then depending on where you, you live, it's, it's real estate. Um, it's, it's what kind of work you have. It's how much money you have. Uh, it's personal beauty. And these things can easily rob us of joy because they're thieves. They, they, they promise us something that's going to be wonderful and fulfilling, but you get them. And they're really not what they promised you. So it's the thief of what we love. But the second thief is the trying to find our joy in who we love. In who we love. It, it, it's, this is affection from other people. Uh, the thief of affection um, it's relationships uh, it can be putting and trying to find your joy in your children trying to find your joy in your spouse all these things and both of these things rob us of joy because both are fundamentally fundamentally love for the self it's what can I get what can I what can I have? If I can get these things, if I can have this affection, then I'll feel joyful. Right? Notice, uh, you put it this way, finding joy in what I love and who I love is all about my love. Okay? Finding joy in what I love and who I love is all about my love. And you notice the problem here. Um, You know, eventually we get bored with what we love. We get bored with who we love. And because we're bored, we move on to the next thing. You could be bored with work, you're on to the next work. Bored with where you live, you're on to a different house, different neighborhood, different city or country. Uh, It could be bored with our spouse, so we move on to finding fulfillment from a different person. We're bored because we're loving ourselves too much. We want love for ourselves too much. It's not wrong to feel fulfilled. You want to feel fulfilled and, and loved and all these, these wonderful things. But the promises or the problem is that we're in love with ourselves too much. Too much. Uh, Walker Percy says this. He says, boredom is the self stuffed with the self. He's saying, when we love ourselves, we get easily bored. We love ourselves too much. Now, what do you say? Friends, if you want less joy in your life, love yourself more. And that is antithetical to our culture. That is not what the culture says right now. It says the problem with your life is that you don't love yourself enough. And what Jesus and what this, you know, Walker Percy is saying, if, if you stuff yourself with yourself, you're going to be bored and you're going to have no joy. You're going to lack joy. And that's see, that's why we move from love to love to love to love to love, searching for joy. And that's, that's why Jesus says we'll only find our true joy, not in what we love or who we love, but in who loves us. Think about the person in your life uh, that you know loves you Unconditionally. And the joy you receive from that. I don't know if you've ever experienced um, rejection from someone that you're very close to. uh, Or unfaithfulness. But when you experience that, and you have a broken love, broken trust, it's very difficult to find joy. Not only in that person, but in your own life. Very difficult. And Jesus says, find your love and your joy in who loves you. In who loves you. You know, some people say that Christianity actually diminishes joy. Christianity is all about squelching pleasure and, and uh, crushing joy and uh, you know, you can't have the pleasures in, in this life, but the gospel of God, the gospel of Jesus, actually exceeds all of our joys. Uh, because in the gospel, God has done something to settle our restless souls. He's done something to, to say you have, you have no, you don't have to look anywhere else. Your joy and love is complete here. Romans five six, Paul says. He says you see at just the right time when we were powerless including being powerless to find joy on our own Jesus died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his own love for us in that. Friends, joy is not found in what or who we love, but in who loves us. That's where we're going to find joy. But once you've found it, how do you remain in it? Right? How do you remain in joy? Um, in, in 17 verses... Uh, remain or abide is used 11 times. Uh, so um, when something is said over and over and repeated over and over, it usually means it's important. Uh, it's like the things that we say to our friends or the, or to our children or to whatever it is. The things that come out of our mouth most, most often are the things that we want people to get. Right? They're important to us. Uh, and Jesus says, uh, remain in me. Abide in me. Uh, and what I what I did not know about this uh, until further study uh, on this is that usually when we think about remaining or abiding, we think about sitting in a, you know, just sitting and doing nothing uh, and relaxing, you know, like inviting someone over. You can come on in and remain in my house for a while. You know, We we, we kind of, we don't really think. What you're supposed to do is just sit on my couch, you know, eat all my food, watch whatever shows you want. Don't clean up after yourself, you know. But that's okay. You know, we don't we don't think about that kind of thing. We think about no. There's there's actually some things to do, and that's what this word is. Remain is actually a verb. Uh, it's a verb. It says Jesus is saying it's an active thing. Remaining or abiding is an active thing in me. It's to do something. And look what he says about how to remain. How do we remain in God's joy? What does he say? He says, "Obey my commands." Now, to me, when I first hear that, that's that's counterintuitive, right? Joy and obedience. Uh, and you know, I don't know if any of you are still living at home, maybe, under your parents. But you think of the idea of being joyful um, by being more obedient. There's something about that that doesn't sit with us. Uh, we've you know, we probably all experienced that to a certain degree. But what Jesus is saying, is saying, if you know the greatest love, if you know a love that is unconditional and who loves you, if you know that the vine has good things for you, and wants to produce fruit in you and loves you. If you love me, you will obey my commands. James 2 says that we prove we have faith by what we do. And he's saying that our actions accompany our faith. Now, the reality of this is this is is not easy. Especially during suffering. Especially during hard times. This is not easy, and, and many of us are, are suffering different ways. Now, I, I don't know the demographics too much of, of your church here, but you, know, may, you may be a single parent, and you know the pressures and the demands of caring for a child or children alone. You may be without work right now, uh, and the stresses of bills and the rent is piling up. Uh, you may be single, and you think, why can't I find that right person? Why is God holding out on me? And you know the loneliness, and you're experiencing the loneliness. Uh, You may be going through and and under the pressures of an addiction, Uh, and you're experiencing the consequences of something else having control over, and you say, I want to stop, but I can't. Uh, And we look around us. We look at catastrophic natural disasters. We see terrible injustices happening in the world and in this country. Uh, We see children dying because of lack of food. We see families broken apart because of unfaithfulness. And we ask, how is it possible that these things happen? How is it possible to have joy when these kind of things are happening? Either out there or even to me. How is that possible? And I think as Christians, we've got to be honest, is that we don't have all the answers. We don't have, I don't have all the answers, but there is a way in which the joy of Jesus can remain in us. That he can be the strength of our lives. It's to trust that the vine knows how to bring life to these branches that are suffering. It's to trust that the gardener knows how to care for his garden. And this is a hard this is a hard thing because what it is is to trust that God prunes the gardener prunes us in order to bring life. How do we have joy? Jesus says be obedient to God. When things are not good, be obedient. When you don't feel like it, be obedient. When it looks like there's no hope, be obedient. In verse 10, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That's the first thing. How to remain in Jesus is to be obedient. But secondly, in verse 15, is to see yourself as a friend of God. Jesus says, I've told you everything that I've learned from the Father. Right? Everything that the Father who loves me has taught me what true joy is. You know, I know I've held nothing in secret. Okay? Uh, I'm telling you the secrets of, of, of heaven. I'm giving you heavenly wisdom. A servant doesn't know his master's business. He doesn't have that kind of access to God. A servant doesn't know that. He says only a friend has this, he knows this information. Only a friend has this kind of access. And he says, you're my friends. I chose you. That Jesus selected them as he does for you and me. See, because of Jesus, we we now have friendship with God. We're friends with God. And friends desire to be with one another you know think of, think of your best friend right? friends don 't avoid one another they figure out ways to get with one another right they figure out ways to do things with one another they sacrifice activities and other people in order to be with one another. Friends desire to be with one another and friends do things for one another uh, Jesus says, "I chose you to go Jesus is saying. Take action. If you're a friend of mine and you're a friend of God's, friends show love to one another by doing things for one another. And, and I got to tell you, if you're, if, if you're following Jesus, if you call yourself Christian, to be an idle Christian who never loves his or her neighbors, never shares his faith, desires not to follow God's commands, who just wants to come in and sit on the couch and get all the good things from God and eat all his food, And make a mess, you're not a follower of Jesus. Because a follower of Jesus, Jesus says, I chose you to go, I chose you to love. Now, love him with wonderful obedience. Now, how can we grow in joy? Right, this is what it means to find joy and to remain in joy. How can we become more joyful? I'm just gonna, in this last point, I'm just gonna give three brief practical things. Okay, and the first is to develop gratitude. The author Brendan Manning says this. He says, I believe that the real difference in the American church is not between conservatives and liberals, not fundamentalists and charismatics, nor between we're Republicans or Democrats. The real difference is between the aware and the unaware. When somebody is aware of that love, the same love that the Father has for Jesus, that person is just spontaneously grateful. Cries of thankfulness become the dominant characteristic of the interior life, and the byproduct of gratitude is joy. We're not joyful and then become grateful. We're grateful, and that makes us joyful. Just develop develop a, a spirit and a, a life of gratitude. Now, how, how do you do that? Well, I think a part, one, one part is doing what you're doing today, uh, is to be a part of Sunday worship. Colossians 3.16, Paul says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and you admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Make Sunday morning a time that you not only look forward to each week, but that you know you need each week. Sunday worship is a time and a place To be reminded of what God has done for you in Jesus. It's to be reminded of who loves you. It's to be reminded of how the things, the what's and the who's that you love will not fulfill you. right, this is Sunday morning. Be part of Sunday worship. Second, begin to transform your mind. Ephesians 4.23, we're told to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Romans 12.12 says to be transformed by the renewing of of your mind. I got to tell you, I need this. I need this to find joy in current circumstances. Uh, my daughter is taking a class right now at the, the church that I'm attending uh, for. is, I guess it would be called a confirmation class. Um, uh, kind of learning more about the Bible, about her faith, and then she'll eventually be able to uh, take communion at the church. And um, one of the questions she had, there's homework for her, for me to to ask her and for her to ask me for this class. And one of the questions was, uh, why do you need the Bible? That was to me. Why do you need the Bible? And we just looked at this last night. And I, on four, I took too long to answer. <laughs> but um, I eventually I said, well, I, I need it because in it are the words of life and joy. I need it, and I know that that here uh, at Resurrection OC that, uh, that Bryson Leadership desires to teach you in the Bible because that's where you can see your life from a godly perspective. From a perspective outside of ourselves, the more gratitude and joy will fill your life when you are able to see that. Uh, and, and then it's also to just do gratitude. I want encourage you, take time this week. You know, if you're married, husbands, write out a list of 10 things you're thankful for about your wife. Oh, and then share them. Okay, don't just hang on to that. Uh, And tell her. Or think of the friends in your life Uh, and do the same thing. Do it with your circumstances and see what God has blessed you with. You know, these are all a part of identifying and developing gratitude. Uh, in our lives, and the second thing is is to partner with people. So develop gratitude, partner with people. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, "He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed." Uh, I know that as a church, that you guys are not about isolation. Uh, you're you're all talking about uh, living in community and loving and serving your community, and those are wonderful things. Uh, those are great things, and you you need to find people, and people need you. Uh, I don't know if you've thought about that. You don't just need people. People need you, uh, and they they need the joy that you you bring. But partner with people. Find people who are joy carriers. Uh, Find people who breathe life into your life. Identify a few people that bring you joy. Get with them. Spend time with them. People who love Jesus and who can speak the words of God to you. And speak joy to you. Get time with those people. Uh, you have small groups, right? At the church, you've launched community groups. You have community groups. It's in these groups where you'll be able to you know, pull yourself into them and find people to share your joys with, share your struggles and your sorrows with them. Uh, experience the, the, the breath of joy that gospel community brings. So partner with people. And then thirdly and lastly is practice love. Two times in this passage, Jesus says, my command is this, love one another. Love one another. Remember, there's a direct connection between your joy and your love. As you seek to love your community here in Ladera Ranch and surrounding communities, pray that God will help you identify the people in your life that he wants to give you a heart for to love. Not as projects, but just as people, simply to love. You know, and then partner with people to see how you can do that together and fulfill this command of Jesus to love one another. The author John Ortberg said uh, to devote your life uh, to find joy is to devote your life to something greater than your own personal happiness. Uh, he said this: We all live with the illusion that joy will come someday when conditions change. We go to school and we think we'll be happy when we graduate. We're single and convinced we'll be happy when we get married or have that special someone. We get that someone and decide we will be happy when we have children. We have children and decide we'll be happy when they grow up and leave the nest. Then they do and we think we were happier when they were still at home. Basically what he's saying, he's saying don't wait for the next thing to make you happy, to make you joyful, because it won't. Friends, our God is a joyful God and he's created us to experience joy. You can take these practical steps to develop gratitude, partner with people and practice love. But today, find your joy in Jesus, your Savior, who has conquered sin for you he's made you a friend of God brought you the love of God, remain in him and you will, you will find that joy and no matter what, I heard this song on the way up, which is just very timely, no matter what you can say it is well with my soul and let's pray God, this is a difficult task. A difficult task to have joy, uh, because it's we want to look within. We want to uh, find things and people uh, that will make us happy, situations that'll make us happier, give us give us a deep content. Um, and most of our lives are consumed uh, with pursuing that. Uh, yet at some point, at some point. Uh, we find that it's not what we thought it would be. And God, some of us are really going um, through difficult times right now and to see and to experience joy is what we want, but we're just not getting it. Um, And we don't feel like even pursuing it. And would you give us encouragement? Would you give us strength and energy to be obedient to you, regardless. To stick with you, to remain in you. For God, you promise to give good gifts to your children. You promise to be the vine that brings fruit to those that remain in you. And so have us persevere. And for some of us who have not yet experienced the joy that Jesus brings because of his life and death and resurrection and ascension in our place. God, I I pray that if if, uh, if we're not there yet to to receive that, that we would be open to pursuing Jesus. We'd be open to pursuing what it might look like to have that joy and contentment. So God, today um, we all need your spirit to guide us and help us. And we ask for that, we ask that the spirit of comfort, the spirit of joy would develop more joy in our lives. For God, you have secured us in Jesus. You love us. You have made us friends with God. And you no longer have to fear rejection. We no longer have to fear wrath and anger from God. You no longer have to fear separation because you have joined us with Him. Would you have the joy that you bring make us complete? In His name we pray.